Perception is reality, except when it isn't. Let me explain ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you for being everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And more importantly, hope you all had a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. I decided to take the day off. I did do one of our shorts on YouTube to highlight one of our player countdown series. But I spent the time with my family and had a great time, honestly, and really enjoyed the time away. But excited to be back and talking all things BYU. And let's dive right in and talk about one of the hot button issues that popped up over the weekend. Story written in the Salt Lake Tribune about anonymous BYU football players. Uh, They they listed five anonymous players. They also quoted Neil Pau'u as saying that BYU uh, players have not seen the royalties coming off of the sales from Bilt Bar's sale of the Cougar Tail Tail Bilt Bar. And I can show you right now. I've actually still got one of these. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the... Uh, if it's if it goes in focus there, you can see I've still got one of those on hand. And the matter at hand is that nobody's disputing, and even not even the Salt Lake Tribune. Kevin Reynolds did a fine job reporting this. Nobody's disputing that BYU's players had Built Bar uh, pay out the scholarship money for the walk-on players, which has been very, very beneficial to BYU on the recruiting trail, and also the $1,000 payments that went out to all scholarship players along with those tuition payments for all of the walk-on players. The question at hand is, how much, if anything, did Built Bar owe the players in terms of the sales of the Cougar Tail Built Bar? Cougar Tail Built Bar, if I can get that out of my mouth. Apologies. Uh, I continue to struggle with that. But nonetheless, uh, in conversations I had with folks, is that BYU, there is a big question of, was that actually put down in writing? Now, uh, Nick Greer, who is the CEO of Built Bar, uh, he was quoted as saying that uh, there was going to be 15% of the sales. We're going to go right back into the BYU football program and to the players. You can listen to the uh, the special that BYU did. I guess the, that was really special, but it was more of a video they did last summer when they made the announcement that that was going to happen. Now, in terms of conversations I had, I reached out to some players that I am familiar with and know, and at least one of them told me that last year, that comment was made multiple times during team meetings and even went back as far as the year previous to that in terms of conversations about a gross, uh, not a gross amount, but a, a percentage of the sales of Built Bars going back uh, towards the BYU football players. Now, when I asked further about, okay, was that actually put in writing, they said that that was actually, there was no, uh, I guess, documentation or uh, contract put in front of them, whereas they said that the money that was paid out to players, whether it was tuition money or the $1,000 payments, uh, just a lump sum of cash given out to each scholarship player by Built Bar, they had to f- sign tax forms, in essence, a contract to receive that money. So that is kind of where the rub is right now is that Bill Bar also says that they have paid the money into a general allocation fund with BYU Athletics. In conversations with people I had at BYU is that there are two different things that are going on here. And a lot of uh, people out there need to understand 
that if there was money promised to BYU football players, BYU as the university itself has no role to play in this. That is a direct relationship between Built Bar and the student athlete or the athletes at large. They have individual deals with Built Bar regarding name, image, and likeness that would uh, allow that money to be paid out to them. So that is kind of where the question is because BYU, in conversations with folks, the overall payment uh, from Built Bar in terms of being able to use the marks, the uh, logos, etc., from BYU, all that money has been paid for. The question still remains if, if the players, what ultimately they were owed, what their uh, contractual agreement was, etc., and that is where I think all this confusion lies. Now, let me also acknowledge that perception is reality, as I said in today's opening. You can guarantee, you can absolutely 110% guarantee that opposing football programs and be recruiting against BYU are going to use this story as propaganda to recruit negatively against the Cougars. Now, is it reality that Bilt Bar did not live up to, the, to every part of its deal? No, because Bilt Bar lived up to based on what I understand, essentially everything that they contractually agreed to, at least in writing, based on, like I said, that conversation I had with a BYU football player. Uh, now, the question is, okay, was that a handshake agreement in terms of that percentage going back into the fund? The way I uh, envision this may have gone down is that Bilt Bar had an agreement that the sales from the Cougar Tell Bilt Bar, no matter how much they may have gone, went back into the general allocation, general athletic fund at Brigham Young University. That might have been the agreement that was agreed upon, but it may not have been communicated clearly enough to the players. That's me speculating. Let me be very clear about that. I have not heard that from anybody, but just reading between the lines on the story that Bill Barr says that the money went into a general allocation athletics fund, that screams to me the agreement, that money, the 15% was going to be put back into the BYU football program, whereas Nick Greer made it sound like the players would actually be getting a cut of that money directly. So that, I think, is where the, the issue lies. But you can guarantee, like I said, that you're going to have football programs that are recruiting against BYU for a young man are going to use this story and say, hey, do you want to go where they're not living up to the NIL deals? And if any young man worth his spit or the parents that are around him or his advisors or whoever is around him does any amount of research, they will understand that this is more of, to me, it seems like it's more of a, oversight in a way for Bilt Bar and also on the player's side that they needed to have everything down in writing at least and if I'm able to get some more information on this I'll be happy to pass it along but until it's written down and put into uh, contracts and that type of stuff that is kind of where things can get a little bit messy so it's going to be a thing that the perception is reality in the case of the recruiting hit that BYU could take on the recruiting trail with this, and it's sad, but that's just how it's going to go. So BYU's coaches are going to have to be very clear with these athletes who may have questions that pop up about this regarding NIL opportunities and explain, no, Bilt Bar lived up to the to the bulk, at least the vast, vast majority of their contract or their agreements with BYU football players. This is just one small part, and there is a question of, okay, what actually was agreed upon and where was that money supposed to be allocated and sent to and who was ultimately supposed to get it, that type of stuff. That is where the question is going to lie. But, like I said, it's a it's going to be another thing that BYU is going to have to battle against a little bit here for the next little bit. But the nice part is everything I hear is that Built Bar and BYU still are on a very strong footing. I, I do not know necessarily what the relationship is going to be with regards to paying for the walk-on players' uh, tuition this upcoming year. The Royal Blue Collective's kind of heading up a lot of this type of stuff now moving forward. 
as the officially endorsed collective of BYU Athletics. But it's going to be a very interesting time to see where things ultimately go from here. But the nice part is it sounds like all's well that ends well, at least currently inside the BYU football program. You had some players like Tanner Wall as well as Nick Billups speak up uh, vocally on social media saying, guys, you don't understand. Built Bar has been an absolute uh, godsend in terms of helping us walk on athletes. And both of those guys are walk-ons who... They, they said that otherwise would have struggled uh, to make ends meet in certain ways. A lot of these athletes at BYU, especially the walk-ons, a lot of them had to work overnight jobs, work weird hours while trying to fit into school and football before NIL and uh, program, uh, not program, uh, a company like Built Bar stepped up to help them financially. And now it's very much been a beneficial relationship all the way around. And uh, like I said, I... I don't necessarily know uh, where the where the rub is in all of this, but it sounds like it's more of a miscommunication, and maybe it's just that there was a verbal uh, thing agreed to, or there was a verbal. I don't know what you want to call it. Like there was, uh, players heard it one way; it was actually meant another way. I, it's, it's one of those things. Until it's put on paper and it's an enforceable contract, that is the issue that's at hand. And NIL, it, it, it's a screwy, screwy world out there with regards to the name, image, and likeness sphere right now. Uh, there's only a handful of players, really, who control the vast majority of the money when it comes to NIL. They're the most marketable players. They're usually the biggest stars uh, with the football program i got to give Kalani Satake credit. He has tried and tried and tried to make sure as many of these deals are team-wide and benefiting as many of the BYU football players as they possibly can. But there's just a simple fact of the matter, and this is not even just specific to BYU. Nationally, the vast majority of student-athletes, not even just in football, are seeing pennies relative to a small handful of the most marketable players who are making the gobs and gobs of money that are in the NIL sphere. So... Like I said, I don't necessarily know where to come down on all of this. To me, it seems like it was more of a miscommunication than anything else. But like I said, uh, perception is reality on the recruiting trail, and you can guarantee BYU is going to have to battle against this moving forward. But sadly, they're not the only one that has negative press like this that has come out on the NIL sphere. It just so happens it's BYU's turn uh, with this. But don't let certain folks up on the hill that uh, may be using this saying that BYU doesn't live up to their to – their, this has nothing to do with BYU. This is between the players and Bill Ball. And uh, like I said, it feels like to me it's more of a miscommunication in terms of what was actually agreed to contractually. And if we can find out where that paperwork is and find out more about it, maybe Bill Barr will uh, yield a little bit more information. But like I said, at least one player told me that they never saw uh, contractual evidence of that 15% uh, put into paper and given to players, but they heard it verbally uh uttered, I guess, from uh, people at BYU, Bilt Bar, etc., at least multiple times in team meetings, but like I said, that is where I think a lot of this confusion lies. Alright, uh, coming up here in just a minute, uh, I need to talk a little bit about what's going on with BYU strength and conditioning. I saw something over the weekend, started looking into it, and BYU has a new strength and conditioning, I uh, guess their director of strength and conditioning. Uh, we'll give you a little bit of an introduction to who Ryan Phyllis is. We'll co- get to that coming up in just a moment. Now, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. They've been working with us for months now, and I just talked a lot about Built Bar. The best part is if you want a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories, Built Bar is the right place to go for you. They are the best tasting protein bars ever, and I'm not just saying that, folks. Any of you who've listened to this podcast, I'm not just reading this off a script. I absolutely love Built Bars. you got to give them a shot. I promise you, you will enjoy them like I do. I've had them. I've been eating them for years now, literally, and the best part is they're healthy. They taste amazing. The best part is they absolutely 
are a big part of uh, a weight loss routine, trying to bulk up in the with the weight room, whatever you're trying to do. They can help you out on your fitness goals, on the path to those fitness goals. They're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. they got a number of different flavors out there. If I'm not mistaken, the Cougar Tail flavor is no longer on the market, but they got a bevy of other ones. You can go to Built.com and see all the different flavors available to you now at Built Bar. Uh, the best part is while you're at Built.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, to get 15% off your order or if you need your built bars right now, you need to get them in hand right away. Stop by your local Smith's, Sam's Club, Costco, Macy's, Walmart. They've got them all, my friends. I've seen them at every other retailer I've been to here along the Wasatch Front and even beyond out in the United States. You can find them at any number of one, any number of retailers. It's available now. They've got four bar packs available at uh, pro, uh, stores like Smith's, as well as thirteen bar packs available at more uh, bulk retailers like uh, Sam's Club or Costco. So once again, built. Com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 for your custom orders to save yourself 15% while you're there. Or stop by your local grocer today and pick them up and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today, my friends. I thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we round out the month of May looking a little bit at what's going on with the S&P numbers. Uh, it's not S&P anymore. It's now it's the SP Plus numbers uh, coming out of Spring Ball from ESPN. Where does BYU check in after Spring Ball? How might that stack up with the rest of the Big 12? We'll get to that on tomorrow's show as we continue to get you ready as we grind closer and closer uh, to BYU football kick up the season now just 95 days away from today on a Tuesday. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, BYU. They have a brand new director of football strength and conditioning at BYU. His name is Ryan Phyllis. Now, uh, this is an interesting thing. Is Over the weekend, I was uh, perusing Twitter, and uh, if any of you have been on the native Twitter app recently, they will ov- uh, uh, sometimes have what they have like a suggested follows uh, tab. You probably have seen this out there on Twitter, and I had one pop up and I was kind of just perusing, seeing if there was any, and I and I, all of a sudden I see this Ryan Phyllis, and I I, I pull it up, I tap on the uh, thing to find out who this is because I saw they had the BYU logo on them, and then it says Director of Football Strength and Conditioning at BYU, and I'm like, hmm. I don't know who this guy is. So uh, I started doing some digging, looking around. Uh, he's worked at a number of football programs. He's actually a former Division One football player in his own right, having played in the Big Ten at Indiana. Actually had a, a little bit of success uh, playing for Indiana. I, I saw that he had at least one Player of the Week award during his time playing for the Hoosiers. But he's been uh, working his up the, uh, working his way up the ranks of the strength and conditioning uh, side of things when it comes uh, to football around the country. Um, and he has worked at such places as Mississippi State, Virginia, Purdue, and most recently comes to BYU by way of the Louisville Cardinals football program. So he's worked in the South. He's worked in the East. He's worked in the Big Ten. He's also now worked in the ACC uh, twice and now he comes west to join BYU as they go into the Big 12. I don't necessarily know a ton about Ryan. Admittedly, I've just been doing a lot of research on him, kind of reading up. I, I literally Googled Ryan Phyllis and started reading some of the articles uh, that had him in it, trying to get a, a feel for who he is. He's been an assistant or associate uh, strength and conditioning coach at most of those stops, but has worked with a number of uh, people out there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, his time at Virginia crossed over with Bronco Mendenhall uh, during the latter stages of Bronco's run with the uh, Virginia Cavaliers. So at least he has some familiarity with BYU, I'd assume, just d- uh, simply due to the affiliation with that coaching staff, having worked at Virginia. But now he comes to BYU working as the director 
director of strength and conditioning inside the BYU football program. Now, that's inevitably, I, I guarantee it, I'll get it on social media from somebody, a question of, well, Jake, what does this mean for Dr. Skyler Maine? Now, Dr. Skyler Maine has been working with BYU in a, I'd call it an advisory role. He's not on staff. He is a, what do you call it, a, a contracted employee in a way uh, for the BYU football program where he is obviously advising BYU, but he does it more from the sports science type, uh, side of things. Now, obviously, also Colby Clawson, who's a former BYU linebacker, is also in that same uh, realm in the sports science side of things. That works hand-in-hand with the actual strength and conditioning staff at BYU, which is what Ryan Phyllis is going to be leading for the BYU football program. Now, Ryan obviously will be collaborating with Colby Clawson as well as Dr. Skyler Maine to approach how to best train BYU's football players to make them the best athletes they possibly can be on the football field going into the Big 12. The one thing I like about Ryan is he's got experience. He's never worked at the G5 level. He's worked his entire career, including his playing career, as a guy who's been at the Power 5 level. So he understands the level it takes to compete at this level of football, or what the I guess not the level it takes, but just the overall need uh, slash overall work that needs to go in to developing athletes to give them the best opportunity to succeed at this level. I think this is actually a pretty savvy hire. Uh, just like I said, I don't have any intel on this, but I, the intel I have just kind of reading up on Ryan is that he comes from a Power 5 background. He understands what it takes to be a Power 5 football player in the Big Ten Conference. He has been working at the Power 5 level as a strength and conditioning coach, and he can bring a lot of those lessons he's learned during his time as both a player and in a, a strength and conditioning coach at the Power 5 level to BYU as they make the transition into the Power 5 ranks. Does that mean that everything's going to go swimmingly right off the bat for BYU? No, that does not mean that, but the nice part is they have a guy who understands that he's been at this level at BYU is going into and can he lend some of his expertise as he comes over to BYU? And the other thing about this is he comes in with a pretty novel approach. I read a, an article. It was called 1080 Motion. I think they do a they do like speed training. And he talked about the fact that his overall approach to speed development in football. I said speed development in football or sport in general doesn't so, come solely from sprinting on the field. However, that is a vital component. My approach combines and couples sprinting on the field with work in the rate, weight room. Excuse me. So this is a guy who seems to be pretty on. On top of the kind of uh, both the old school approach in terms of you actually need to be in the weight room, moving that iron, pumping that iron, getting the work in in the weight room, while at the same time getting out on the field and working on the overall skill set to make these athletes as as long and lengthy and, and as fast and as strong as they possibly can be. So, like I said, my overall feeling on this, like I said, just reading into a little bit of what Ryan's background is. I like this hire. He comes from a, a non-traditional background. He's not a, just a, a guy at BYU had essentially laying around the BYU football program. He comes in and should have a fresh uh, perspective of how he wants to do things. And I would assume that Kalani Satake absolutely signed off on this. He's probably the guy who ultimately made the hire and the call to hire Ryan Phyllis. And uh, I'm assuming that Kalani will have his input. But the nice part is also Dr. Skyler Maine, Colby Claus from the sports science side of things. This is going to be a big collaborative effort for BYU. And the nice part is the early return on all these gentlemen appear to be quite positive for the BYU football program. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll flip back over, talk about some other news and notes from the long weekend, the holiday weekend in BYU sports. Uh, up and down weekend for BYU men's golf, also a pretty solid weekend for the track and field programs as, uh, as many athletes punch their tickets to the national meet in track and field. We'll get to all of that as we continue on right here 
on Locked On Cougars. Now a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. They've been working on this for months now, my friends. The best part about Perry Homes is whether you're looking for your first home or ready to kind of settle into your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. And by the way, anything in between those two. If you're not just necessarily looking for your first home, if you're not necessarily where you want to build your last home. If you just need a, a new home, Perry Homes has got the option for you, like I said, my friends. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. they got communities, home designs, and price points, all of which are set to help meet your needs. The best part is they got communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties, wherever you want to live along the Wasatch Front. They've got options for you there. Or if you want to live down in the southern part of the state, if you want to get down to Red Rock Country, they got multiple communities in Washington County near St. George. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to town homes as well. They even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to make the move right now as well. They're offering generous financing incentives to their preferred lenders right now as well. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, everybody. A big thank you to all of you. Um, I guess a little bit of a programming note. Moving into the months of July, uh, excuse me, June and July upcoming, we're just a couple of days away uh, from June being here. The I guess the requirements on the Locked On Podcast Network only require that we do three episodes a week, three full episodes is what I guess what I should say. So that's the 20 to 30 minutes that we typically do. Now, I am going to endeavor throughout those two months to do as, as many as five episodes a week. That's kind of my goal. I still like making sure you guys are taken care of every day. Now, some of those episodes may be just a tad bit shorter, maybe a 10 to 15 minute episode every so often if I don't necessarily have as much intel to get to or I don't have as much to talk about. We'll get to that. But the nice part is I just want to give you guys a heads up of what to expect over the coming months. If I miss a day or two, understand that as well, that uh, things come up. I obviously um, am going to be uh, working with my radio job at the same time. And I do have plans. I actually already have booked it. I've got flights, uh, hotel. My credentials have been approved. I will be at Big 12 Media Day in mid-July as well down there in Arlington, Texas. So looking forward to that. And, of course, we'll be bringing you full coverage uh, from that event as BYU kicks off their Big 12 era. Uh, the other thing about this is I saw Mitch Harper posted this. If any of you went to, out to that movie night, uh, BYU plans on July 1st to have like an induction uh, into the Big 12 type of event. I don't know what it is. It said more details to come soon. I'm interested to see what BYU does with that, but of course we'll have plenty of coverage on that for you as well. Be out at whatever they do live and obviously uh, make sure you guys are, make sure I have all of the information that I can uh, muster to share with you guys as well. Alright, uh, coming uh, down the pike though, uh, latest, latest news out of Big 12 realignment is that uh, the Big 12 continues to be aggressive. According to what I read yesterday, from uh, Ross Dellinger with Big 12 meetings starting up in West Virginia this week. Uh, Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark and other league officials are going to uh, continue discussions on league expansion. As he says, there are, quote, deep discussions with the Gonzaga Bulldogs as well as schools consulting firm Navigate, uh, which is Navigate is a data-driven company is assisting Gonzaga in a potential move from the West Coast Conference into a Power 5 league. Now, according to this, what Ross Dellinger writes is that Yormark is targeting Gonzaga, as well as UConn, as especially basketball brands that could come in and really establish the Big 12 as the preeminent power in uh, Division One men's college basketball. He also says this, they are looking at also uh, con- considering a, a realignment, adding programs like a San Diego State, UNLV. Like They're looking at multiple options here, but at the same time also continuing to evaluate all options with regards to what the Pac-12 is going to do. Uh, UConn, San Diego State, UNLV, as well as the possibility of adding 
Pac-12 schools, most likely of which to seem to be uh, Colorado and Arizona. Uh, as he also mentions that Brett Yormark has plans to get to as many as 16 teams here for the Big 12 Conference. So get ready, folks. It doesn't sound like conference realignment is slowing down anytime soon. Like uh, I didn't necessarily have a lot to add to this, so I just wanted to make sure it was mentioned. But very interesting to hear that a lot of the news were continuing to hear. And we also heard from uh, Rick George this past weekend out of, out of uh, Colorado saying, in a perfect world, we'd love to be in the Pac-12, but we also have to do what's right for Colorado at the end of the day. We'll evaluate things as we move forward. Colorado's been one of those programs who's really kind of said, hey, we're moving in lockstep with the Pac-12, but that's cracking the door open a little bit there, and we'll see where it lands uh, with regards to conference realignment for the Colorado Buffaloes. Now, other news out there include uh, former BYU star Jimmer Fredette. He's going to represent the United States of America at the 2023 FIBA 3x3 World Cup in Vienna, Austria. That starts today and runs through June 4th this weekend. Uh, he is going to make his World Cup debut alongside teammates Dylan Travis, Canyon Berry, and Kareem Maddox. Last year, the quartet won the America Cup in Miami, Florida, with Jimmer Fredette winning the game-winning shot against Puerto Rico. Uh, this is part of the kind of the framework to getting into the Olympics. Jimmer has really made this uh, part of what he plans to do in terms of hopefully making the 2024 Paris Games this coming summer. Uh, but uh, they will play games uh, tomorrow at 9, 10 a.m. Mountain Time as well as 11, 20 a.m. Mountain Time against Latvia and Australia back-to-back uh, -back in those two games. Then a couple days later, they'll play Slovenia and Austria. Uh, those will all be available on the FIBA 3v3 YouTube channel. You can go to BYUcougars.com and get a link to that. Uh, the playing round and quarterfinals are scheduled for Saturday, June 3rd with the semifinals in the championship on Sunday, June 4th. Uh, Jimmer has been very, very good in this format, and hopefully he can lead the Cougars to another Another good showing uh, this weekend. Also, BYU men's golf, the 37th ranked men's golf program, finishing a tie for 23rd place in the NCAA Division I Championships after the other 29 teams finished their Sunday play. That was on Sunday. Uh, BYU had a really, really rough round in their quote-unquote Sunday round on Thursday ahead of the competition fully beginning on Friday. Uh, funny enough, had BYU played more like they did on Friday and Saturday in the tournament, they probably would have made the final 15, uh, but unfortunately, BYU crashes out out and they finished, I guess, in a tie for 23rd place. I would assume BYU moves up in the national rankings once the final rankings come out, but we'll see what ultimately uh, transpires on that front, but interesting to see that. Now, the final note on today's show is a look back at another game in BYU football history. We've been kind of working our way through all 155 games throughout the offseason that BYU played as an independent program as a way to get ready for the Big 12 Conference. Today, we kick off the 2017 season, and it was a 20-6 win for BYU over Portland State. Many of you might recalled this game Tanner Mangum has been the entire offseason being quote-unquote the guy. The coaches were unabashed in saying that Tanner was going to be BYU's starting quarterback. Uh, and BYU, frankly, they came out of the gates very, very slow. Mangum ended up completing 16 of 27 passes for 194 yards and a touchdown in this game. Squally Canada ran for a career-high 98 yards, including a touchdown of his own, as BYU found a way to win this game 20-6 overall. It was a 14-6 ball game at halftime, and I remember sitting I was sitting in the press box at Lavelle Edwards Stadium watching this game transpire, and I kept thinking, when in the world is BYU just going to pull away from these guys? What is going on here? Because Portland State was a decent team. like They weren't necessarily world beaters, but they by, by, by no means should they have been in the same realm as this BYU football program, especially coming off what had been a pretty good year, 9-4 the year before for BYU in that uh, run in Kalani Satake's first year. Well, uh, BYU just never was able to pull away, but finally got the win as they uh, got a touchdown uh, late in the fourth quarter uh, to pull away in this one. 
but it was one of those games that made you think, okay, what in the world's going on? And I was uh, I was one of those guys who was kind of, okay, they're going to shake this off here. Excuse me, there was two field goals in the fourth quarter. Apologies. They scored the two touchdowns in the first and second quarters, and then Red Allman made two field goals in the fourth quarter to put the game uh, to bed finally for BYU. But I remember sitting in that press con- press box and also the post-game press conference where Kalani Satake said, hey, everything's going to be okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. It was just a, it was an off day for us, blah, 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 blah. Well, uh, <laughs> we all know how 2017 transpired, and it kind of pretended uh, some struggles that were going to come for BYU and ultimately a big restructuring inside the BYU football program at the end of the season. But we'll continue to work our way through this. We'll talk tomorrow about another one of the games in this. But BYU started the season 1-0. That was obviously the positive. You don't want to lose to a, a, a FCS opponent. But then BYU was going to make a trip uh, to what was supposed to be uh, to Houston. They ultimately would play that game in Louisiana against number 13. LSU, and this is when it felt like things might have been, the wheels might have been coming off the BYU football program, and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. Alright, that's going to do it. A big thank you once again for your for all of your support. Thank you for being our, making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you once again who are everydayers right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Cannot do what we do without you guys, so a big thank you for all of your support. I hope you guys are all doing well out there wherever you are. Hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend, and we will reconvene tomorrow and talk some more BYU sports. This is has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.